Congregation, the text for this morning's our service is from Matthew 3, the verses 13 through 17. Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Then came Jesus from Galilee to Jordan and to John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill our righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So far. What was needed before Jesus could begin his ministry? So Jesus began his ministry and he was about 30, 30 years old. What was needed before Jesus could begin his ministry? Three thoughts. First, Jesus needed to be baptized. Secondly, Jesus needed to be anointed. And in the third place, thirdly, he, his, his audience needed to know the Father was pleased with him. So again, what was needed before Jesus could begin his ministry? He needed to be baptized, he needed to be anointed, and the others needed to know the Father was pleased with him. Congregation begins in verse 13, where then, then came Jesus to John the Baptist. So that refers to the text to the verse before, right? Then. John the Baptist was called John the Baptist because he's not John the Evangelist. One of the disciples of Jesus also was also John. No, it is John the Baptist this time. The child of Zacharias and Elizabeth. And he was preaching at the Jordan River. And he was also baptizing people at the baptism unto repentance, unto repentance. He preached repentance, repent ye, repent ye. He preached the baptism unto repentance. What is repentance, do you know? If someone asks you, what is that? I hear a lot in your stories about repentance. What is it? What is repentance? Define it for me. Explain it to me. Children, what is repentance? Well, 
You could say a lot about that. Let me do, keep it keep it simple. In the first place, repentance is a change of your mind. It says in the original language, meta noia. And noia or nous is your mind, your thinking. So your whole way of thinking is to change. The purpose of life, what life is about, where you're going. So you need to come to your senses. You need to begin to understand your situation. You may begin, you need to, to receive the, the choice of a heart to serve the Lord. It is a change of thinking. The Lord enlightens the understanding. You begin to see things you haven't seen before. So he, he, he spoke about it, the, the axe at the root of the tree. But it's also compunction. That's a not so well-known word, right, in English? Compunction, do we ever use that? I doubt it. But it is a beautiful word. Compunction is that you're just a cringing. That you are concerned that you feel the pain that you're mourning, that you have a contrite heart, a broken heart, a contrite spirit. So John preached that to the people. He said, repent you, and I baptize you unto repentance. And he saw quite a few people coming to him, confessing their sins. And many were baptized by him. Not the baptism of Jesus, not, not our baptism, but the temporary baptism. Like John the Baptist, baptized unto repentance. And that repentance is also a reversal of behavior. You don't do things anymore that you used to do. There's a change in direction. So I see many people coming to John the Baptist and they listen and they are impressed and they feel compunction and they feel rot inside and they, they feel the need of a Savior. And he baptized them. Then, our text says, then I see the Lord Jesus going there. Then, oh, then came Jesus from Galilee to Jordan and to John to be baptized of him. So he must have said something to the extent of John. Now it is my turn. I want you to baptize me. So the Lord Jesus is asking John the Baptist to baptize him. That does not make any sense to John the Baptist. How can it be? It is better that he should be baptized by the Lord Jesus. That makes sense. But the Lord Jesus baptized by John the Baptist. That is so strange. How can that be? So John is not happy about that. But John forbid him. 
Say, I have need to be baptized of thee. And comest thou to me? So John the Baptist apparently had low thoughts of self and high thoughts of the Lord Jesus. He was a child of the Lord. He was truly called by the Lord, and therefore he had such low thoughts of self and such high and precious thoughts of the Lord Jesus. No, I cannot do that. I cannot baptize thee. I need to be baptized by thee. But Jesus answered and said, Suffer it to be so now. Suffer it to be so now. That's all way of saying things. Suffer means allow. Permit. Let me. Suffer it to be so now. I would like you to do it. Yes. Why? Well, there is an explanation here. Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill our righteousness. Thus it becometh it fitting, fitting to fulfill our righteousness. So the Lord Jesus said, I need to be baptized. Although he had no sin. Although he did not, not confess any sins either. He yet said, let me be baptized. Why is that? Well, the Lord Jesus made very clear. It had to be that way. He had to be baptized first before he would begin his ministry, because he wanted to be like unto his brethren, except sin. He was willing to go that way as if he was a sinner. He was no sinner. He, he knew no sin. Lord Jesus knew no sin. And yet he wanted to be baptized. So that means that he took upon himself the sins of his people. And he knew no sin that was made to be sin for us, to make righteousness of God in him. So we see the Lord Jesus say, I have to. It becomes me. It is fitting to me. It behooves me. I really have to. I should. I have to be baptized to so fulfill all righteousness, to so save my people, to so do what I have to do. I have to do it, John. I can't let go. So the Lord Jesus insisted. He said, I need to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness, to do all the things necessary to do all the things to save my people. I will not leave anything untouched. All things will be done. All righteousness. So the Lord Jesus was willing to take upon himself the human nature. 
Christmas to fulfill our righteousness. The Lord Jesus willing to obey the law to fulfill our righteousness. The Lord Jesus willing to preach to fulfill our righteousness. The Lord Jesus willing to suffer to fulfill our righteousness. The Lord Jesus willing to be crucified to fulfill our righteousness. The Lord Jesus willing to, to ascend and to pour out the Spirit. All those things to fulfill our righteousness. See, the Lord Jesus did everything. He did all the things he had to do. There was not lacking anything. He did all to save a people from their sins, to fulfill, to so fulfill our righteousness. And then John the Baptist backed up and he said, I allow. Then he suffered. What do we learn from this? That the Lord Jesus did our righteousness, that he was willing to all the things to save his people from their sins. We learn from this that he is a perfect Satan. He can bring us to God. He has all the rights. He has all the abilities. He has all the love. He has everything. No one thing is missing. What does this mean for unbelievers? He is a full Savior. A full Savior. Fulfilled all righteousness. You don't, you don't need to bring anything to the Lord. You don't need to qualify in a certain sense. You don't have to pay for salvation. He fulfilled all righteousness. He did that. And his sacrifice, and also this, was abundantly sufficient for the expiation of sin of the entire world. Our candidate say, sufficiency, all things, all righteousness. Seek him then. Seek him in the Bible. Seek him in the word who fulfilled all righteousness. And say to the Lord, I cannot fulfill any righteousness myself. I have nothing. But seek your salvation in him, in his righteousness. And children of God, of the Lord, living church, Christ stood at the entrance of his public ministry, fulfilled all righteousness. Have you seen that? Do you know him as a sufficient savior? Or do you still look the other way? Do you again look the other way? You may have times of hope and joy. Maybe now you have lost your joy. And you, have no, you don't have that closeness anymore. Well, meditate on this. He fulfilled all righteousness.
ask the Lord to make that sweet, to make that powerful, to make it your resting ground. He fulfilled all righteousness. But let's go to the second thought. Lord Jesus needed to be anointed. So Lord Jesus stepped into the water, was baptized. Matthew Henry says, was baptized on his head and on his, 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 his hands. He cannot believe that the Lord Jesus was completely wet and did not put, put other clothes on, dry clothes. I don't know. Anyway, the Lord Jesus was baptized there and he came straight away out of the water and the see there's something. Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, look, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. So the people saw it happening. The heaven opened, like with Stephen. The heaven opened unto him. So for that purpose, for his enjoyment, the Lord Jesus saw that the heaven opened unto him. So he can also open heavens unto you. But he the heaven opened unto him. And lo, the heaven opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God in the shape of a dove, in the shape of a pigeon. That's the same. A dove and a pigeon is the same. Descending upon him and remaining there, lighting them. There's not just touching the going in. No, he remained there. So this is an example of the anointing of the Lord Jesus. In the Old Testament, the kings, the prophets, and the priests also got, got anointed. You, you remember the anointing of David, right? And he was anointed to be king. That ointment was poured out over his head. It means you're chosen. It means you now qualify. You now can do it with my help. So the Lord Jesus in the Holy Trinity also benefited from the Holy Spirit. Because the three persons in the Holy Trinity are not separate. The Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. They're not separate. They're not, not mixed either. There's, there's, there's a relationship. And the Holy Spirit cooperated with the Lord Jesus and anointed him so that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost all three together involved in the work of salvation sinners, of, of saving sinners. Oh, the triune God can do that. 
the Lord Jesus even anointed by the Holy Spirit. A dove, a dove is swift, a dove is gentle, a dove is peaceful, a dove is harmless, a dove is loving. And so that gentle bird is landing on the head or the shoulders of the Lord Jesus and just remain there, indicating this is my son. I anoint him. I qualify him. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Find meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest to your soul. But what I think is most important is Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 3. To also let it shed light on it. I read in Isaiah 61, verse 3 The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. See that? Like a dove landing on the Lord Jesus. Already in Isaiah 61, Isaiah said, The Lord Jesus. Receive the Holy Spirit upon him. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Isaiah 61, anointed me. Lord Jesus said, the Spirit has anointed me. So now I can do things. Was he not able to do it then without? No, you need the Trinity to save people. The Lord Jesus alone could not save people. It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost was anointed. Anointing him. Why? Let me read it again. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to what? to preach good tidings unto the meek. That was the purpose of that gentle dove landing on the shoulders of the head of the Lord Jesus. So he was anointed by the Spirit to preach good tidings to the meek, to those broken ones. He is so able to preach those good, those, those good tidings. He is a, a perfect preacher. And he was able to bring it in the heart, to bring it down in, that, in, in them, to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Do you know what it is? Brokenhearted? Your heart breaks and you lose beloved ones. You mourn, it hurts. But they are spiritually brokenhearted. Oh, that separation between God and your soul. To stand without God in this world. 
and being guilty yourself, having nothing to defend yourself with, being bankrupt, not doing, not knowing where to go and what to do. And the Lord Jesus comes and he preaches good tidings to the meek and he has said it to bind up the brokenhearted with his word, with the gospel. He is soothing, he is helping, he is delivering, he is redeeming to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them they're bound. He can do that. Lord Jesus is their qualified savior. And before he started his ministry, he first wanted to be anointed. This is his inaugural service, or his installation service, rather. Back to Isaiah 61. I read verse 3, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, or mourning people, to give them beauty for ashes. Ashes on the they're mourning, like they lost someone. And he gives beauty for ashes, and the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So heavy the load of sin and the Lord Jesus can take it away and he can make ugly sin is beautiful <clears throat> what do we learn from this that he is a qualified savior he can do it that he still continues with saving people the grace of God is irresistible. When the Lord comes and wants to save a sinner in his secret will, he will save that sinner. And he brings that sinner to his senses. Because he preaches those good tidings. Can you relate to this? Do you know what it is to be brokenhearted and to be in prison and to be meek and broken? Do you know what it means? The Lord Jesus comes in his gentleness like a dove and speaks such kind words to you. The kindest words you've ever heard. My grace is sufficient unto you. Come unto me, you that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Oh, so soothing, so gentle, so sweet. That is how it begins. The law begins with convincing people of their need. Convincing people of their sins, he breaks their hearts. He makes them a mourning people. But he also comforts them. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people. That is the Lord Jesus comforting with the gospel. And maybe we don't know much about the blood yet. 
Maybe we don't know much about the death of Jesus yet. But the possibility of the Lord Jesus saving you, the Lamb of God, taking away the sin of the world. Have you heard his voice? Oh, the Lord's people know the comfort. Because the Lord opens his word. It is clear that Christ works effectually. He saves the people from their sins. And he continues saving the people until the last one is brought in. Lord Jesus was beginning his ministry. He needed to be baptized. He needed also to be anointed. And in the third place, his audience needed to know the Father was pleased with him. Verse 17. And a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The heavens opened, a dove came down, sitting on the Lord Jesus. It was a voice, a voice, low voice from heaven, not a voice from the heart, not a voice from people, a heavenly voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. I am so pleased with him. It says, I dokia, or you dokia, well pleased. Let us try to understand what it means. My beloved Son, you know, apparently God the Father expressed his delight in his son. He looked at him. He knew about him. And he could not find anything wrong with him. And that was such a delight in the heart of God the Father. Because the Father had to say it publicly at the beginning of his ministry. This is my beloved son. Now, if you love someone, it can be for different reasons. You can love someone ugly, wounded, dying, Problematic. You can even love uh, someone who is doing awful things, right? I'm sure there are parents who have been hurt by the children, and also the other way, and you love the other, but it's not so that you think that the person is deserving all the love. You love the child anyway. Whatever he does, be he's addicted to something, or he goes to the deep end, you still love the child, but not for who he is. 
in all this situation. But this is different, right? God the Father loved the Lord Jesus for a reason. He looked at him and he saw so much value in him. He loved to look at him. He enjoyed it profoundly. And the Lord Jesus was on earth. And the Father said, I love thee so much. I can't tell thee how much. It is perfect. He had perfect love in him. For him. Delight. You should uh, study that for yourself. Delight or pleasure. I am well pleased. Lord Jesus pleased the Father. He did, he did something to him, to the Father heart. Let me go around the Bible a little bit and just look at the word pleasant and related. Genesis 3. And when the woman saw the tree, the tree was good for fruit and that it was pleasant to the eyes. And the tree desired to make one wise. She took out the fruit off and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. So Adam and Eve saw how pleasant that fruit looked like and they ate it. See, that's where it all started. Sin. The pleasantness of sin. Sin is sweet. Sin is always sweet. Not the aftertaste. The aftertaste is bitter. But sin itself is enjoyable. And I really enjoy that. But the aftertaste had to pay for it. Lord Jesus has angels pleasing him. The Trillion God, even. Psalm 103. Bless ye the Lord, all ye hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. So the Lord Jesus did please God in the human nature. And divine nature, of course. As a human. But the angels are also pleasing God. They cannot help us. But yet they are pleasing the Father. Pleasing the Son. Pleasing the Holy Spirit. The Lord is also pleased in more things. He's pleased in creation. The glory of the Lord shall endure forever. The Lord shall rejoice in his works. Psalm 104. So the Lord, the Father God, rejoices, rejoicing in creation and in more things. He also is delighted in the broken heart and the contrite spirit. The sacrifices of the Lord are a broken spirit, a broken, contrite heart of God are not despised. Also the bride and the son of Solomon was pleased. 
She said, his mouth is most sweet. He is altogether lovely. This is my beloved. And this is my friend. So not only the father loves his son, there's also a people among us, and they have said that they, they, they also have seen something of who the Lord Jesus is. He was revealed to the heart, and they began to love him. Altogether lovely. He was altogether lovely to the Father. Well pleased. He's also altogether lovely, well pleased with by his church. Do you belong to the church? Do you also sometimes say from the heart, all things are pleasant, all things are so sweet? He is my beloved, he is my friend. So that's he in this text. The Father says, this is my beloved Son. And, and, and God's people sometimes say, this is my beloved Savior, in whom I am well pleased. I cannot be pleased with more. There is no greater pleasure than the pleasure of having the Son of God revealed to your heart. But is the source of that treasuring, of the delighting. How can it be that God's people love him so much as we have sinned in paradise against him? I read in 1 John 4, He in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So the Lord loves first, and then God's children begin to look like him. And the Lord loves his people for that sake as well. For what he has given them, without faith it is impossible to please God. And they have received faith in God. And the triune God is pleased with what he sees. The congregation, one more, one more thing. That kind of touches me. Maybe the most important thing that I can say in this one about this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I'll call you a text that looks like the opposite. And that combination is special. So he says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And in Isaiah 53, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord 
shall prosper in his hand. So that beloved Savior, the Father loved him so intensely, so perfectly, so infinitely, yet had to be bruised. He has given his only begotten Son. He loved him. He never hated him. No. He never hated him. Even not on the cross. How can the Father hate him? He can't. He did his all to lovely. But although he could not hate him, or he intensely loved him, it pleased him to bruise him. To slay him. To crucify him. His father did it. It is not the, it's not, not the disciples, not the Jewish people, not the soldiers, not Pontius Pilate. God the Father bruised his son because he loved his people so much. So he did not want to keep sin unpaid for. No, he, 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 sin, had, had, sin had to be paid for. But he yet paid the price. The Father loved him more than any other. But yet he had to pay the price. And therefore, let's have another look at this text. I am well pleased to you. Can the Lord say it about you? I am well pleased in that boy. Well pleased in that girl. Well pleased in that elderly person. No, Lord can't say that. At least not that he looks at you. What's in the heart? No. Lord can't say that. He can't say, I love you for what I see. Lord, a voice from heaven. This is a person I cannot love. And yet, in Christ, it is possible. The Lord yet loves his people and is a delight in his people. Through him. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord can say, I am well pleased with you. I'm well pleased with not that you have. I'm pleased with what I have given you. You're my son. My daughter. So baptism refers to this. Baptism this, this morning refers to God the Father being pleased with his son. And God the Son being pleased with the Father. And sinners being pleased by God's grace with Christ. Being so blessed, so happy with him, delighting in him. And the Lord Jesus delighting in the church. Or what will eternity be? What will heaven be? There is such a delight. 
of the triune God in himself. And such a delight of the triune God in his people. And such a delight of the people of God in him. Just think through and say, Lord, may I also have that. May also be part of that. My beloved son, may, be, may, be, may, may I be implanted and grafted in. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. All faith in him. So, congregation, there's still an opening. The door is still open. Seek and live. The Lord has no pleasure in your death. But it's a pleasure in, in this that you repent and come to him. Amen.